Welcome to the fourth episode in an old series of Your Time in the Run, the Hunted podcast from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Holmstone, and joining me as always is my fellow Brit, who is a mediocre prepper, Anthony Williams. Hey, yeah, I'm, I'm ready for a very small apocalypse. Just a tiny one, a little bit of a uh, a miniature apocalypse coming. Yeah, I've been practicing the last year or so. Oh, good. And gracing us with her presence this week is the lady who seems to have picked up on Ant's curse from six weeks ago and slept in last week, Michelle Pierce Denovan. <laughs> yes, we'll get this done eventually. Yeah, this is, I think it's fair to say now, a cursed series of podcasts, <laughs> given we were hoping to have recorded this in the space for about five weeks, because we did two in the first week, and it has now been nine, is it? <laughs> Ten? Something like oh, that? That's ridiculous. I'd have to consult my stats, but it's at least nine weeks that it has taken us to do four episodes, two of which we did in the first week. <laughs> it's quite impressive. <laughs> oh i i just love this this is becoming an unintentional recurring joke now is that someone will sleep in every other week i prefer to think it less sleeping in more as temporarily going off grid yes yeah. yes <laughs> it's our equivalent of doomsday prepping basically yeah it's just somebody going completely off the grid Never to be seen again. It's very strange because how many years did I do Amazing Race and I never missed one episode? It is seven and a half years and you have not missed a single episode apart from last week. It's quite impressive. Really ridiculous. Well, not missed one by sleeping in, obviously. Yes. So, we begin with nine fugitives being still on the run, some of whom we still haven't met yet. The Hunters have got five of the 14, including their big fish last week, Dr. Ricky Allen, who was actually caught way after a few of the people who were allegedly left in this episode. Emily and Lauren split up after a day at Fates. Stephen and Martin went on the run and remembered the whiskey and escaped using a borrowed car, disappearing into the countryside, and the other five still haven't been shown yet. And we begin with Stephen and Martin, who have been on the run for two days. They plan to head on foot to Wales. Stephen wants to bring his girlfriend back to a canal-side pub. He's only spent five days away from her and his children in the last six and a half years. Or as we call it in the business, a Michelle Pierce Denovan nightmare. <laughs> Julie says she already has huge amounts of social media information on Stephen, and Nathan and Steve are sent to search his home. Yeah, another episode with loads of Nathan, yet I can't remember him at all. <laughs> it's really weird. In podcast continuity times, we said this a few weeks ago, Nathan, I had zero recollection of, because he only does this series. Yeah, but he's quite well featured in it. I don't know what happened. It's just really odd. Nathan Rose, where he goes, nobody knows. He's more featured than Nick and Danny, and yet Nick and Danny are icons, and Nathan is a nobody in Mm, hunted terms. I guess he must have just been busy for season two, and that was it, or something. I don't know. So Steve, with suspiciously dark hair, finds Stephen's phone in a drawer and finds out that him and his girlfriend have a caravan in Powys. And Nick and Danny are sent to the caravan park to search for them. There's currently no sign of Stephen and Martin, but it is now a known location that will be monitored. And I was really disappointed that they thought they were ever going to get away with this. It's really odd. They're, they're, They're a good team. Surely that's an obvious thing to look for. I don't get it. Yeah, it's interesting to think about because you've got to assume that Series 1 doesn't have the same amount of rules or the same type of rules as Series 2 onwards. Well, they don't need to really, do they? They don't need to have the rules because there's no money prize and it's not really a competition. 
because a lot of these rules get amended each series to combat the stuff that previous teams or fugitives have done. So stuff like Dan and Joe using WhatsApp voice call immediately when they were leaving Manchester, they got told immediately they couldn't do that. And I'm assuming that was them putting the rules from Series 4 onwards. Stuff like this, you would think a rule for the fugitives just in their mind alone would be, if you have a known location, don't go there. And there's, there's even a bit where it's like, oh, they'll never find out about this because I pay everything by cash. Oh, come on. There's going to be a record of it somewhere. Yeah, the chances of them getting away with this were somewhere between nothing and an iceberg's chance in hell. But the rest of what they do is really good. It's all about, you know, just stay off grid, go random, don't really get close to your network. And then, oh, and let's use my caravan that the family uses all the time. Strange decision. No, not a strange decision. Stupid decision. Stupid. 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 I've got stupid further along in the episode notes as well for something else. <laughs> do you think that the the rule about how they have to call home was probably done in relation to Stephen and Martin? Yeah, possibly. I don't think there was a requirement in this series for them to contact loved ones necessarily. No, I don't, I, I don't think so. Just judging by the way that they talk about it they're like no don't do it at all so if they'd been told to do it they'd be more like oh let's call home but be really careful about it whereas Stephen and martin's entire mo in this series is just stay off grid stay away from any cctv that you can don't contact anyone unless you absolutely have to so they do see from the text conversations that Stephen and martin are planning to go to ground and try and blag anything and everything while on the run perfect tactic definitely wouldn't be allowed now and Stephen tries to blag some bikes and exchanges them for his services as a plumber. And he fucking hates plumbing. It was so jammy, though, wasn't it? I was really, really lucky. He just happens to stumble across somewhere with a leaky tap. It was great. I like that bit. It really was, because, I mean, you don't really want to be walking the canals, especially if you're going to get in a foot race with the hunters. You kind of want to rest your feet a little bit. Cycling is probably the way I would go, if somehow I ever found myself unhunted which would never happen cycling is an iconic way to travel in hunted i had completely forgotten that they do this as well yeah i had uh and it is a brilliant move it's really really clever there's a really odd little sequence i don't know if you guys saw it where where he comes back and they he's talking about how he got the bike for free the whole thing really really slows down into super slow-mo and it zooms in on the chicken that they got a third off in his hand, but there's no mention of it, and it's it's just very weird if you get a chance to watch it again. It's dead odd. It goes like quarter speed, shows this chicken, and then carries on. Weird. Are you sure you, your all four wasn't just kind of lagging at that point? I don't think so. The audio was fine. I'll, I'll get you a time code later and you can have a look. I have a question. I didn't write about the bikes on here, so I have no idea where that came. But there's a quote at the beginning. Someone said they're blagging their way through the UK. I've never heard the term blagging before. Is this another another one in our now semi-regular series in this podcast of Michelle learns about English slang? <laughs> well, I know a lot of your slang, but what the hell is blagging? It's like just getting away with it, just trying to sort of talk your way into it it's also used in criminal activity like a blag is like a robbery 
So we, I think it generally means, yeah, just doing, just getting away with something. Yeah, I'll just blag my way through it. Mm. Okay, thanks. You're welcome. And that was Michelle learns about English slang. <laughs> Need to get a jingle in there for the uh, for the time that this episode comes out. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so then we move on to a new fugitive because intern Simon gets some CCTV footage of 25-year-old NHS support worker Adam Young, his village is shit, using an ATM. <laughs> and if anyone knows what that is a reference to, 10 points to Gryffindor. <laughs> <laughs> He's been on the run for two days from South Wales with his best friend as his getaway driver. Adam is a strange character, because you know how I mentioned that I'd found all the fugitive profiles on the Channel 4 website a few weeks ago? Hmm. Adams is by far the most interesting bio, I would have to say. Some sample quotes for you here. He wants to learn how he can better prepare for the inevitable, quote-unquote, apocalypse, because it only takes a strain of rabies virus to mutate, and who knows what can happen. Whoa, Hmm. hold on a minute. Can we check his (laughs) movements? Was he anywhere in near Wuhan about, you know, a year and a half ago? Strangely, Adam Young, his village is shit, seems to have actually predicted the coronavirus pandemic. <laughs> wow. Yeah, if only you could have predicted getting caught, you'd have been all right. Another quote for you here. Adam developed his survival skills during the Millennium Bug when his family wore special suits and lived in a bomb-resistant house stocked with food to last ten years. <laughs> Today, Adam hopes to put his apocalyptic survival skills, in quotes, to the test. Uh, what actually years. happened... What actually oh happened in the Millennium Bug was his video stopped recording EastEnders for a day. <laughs> oh my god! But how much food would you need for ten years in there? Like it would have been canned food, I'm assuming. Yeah, I know, but how many cans? Like his family seems to have been proper doomsday preppers, and even more doomsday preppy than we thought from this episode. I mean, since he's like that, and his family's like that. A two and a half hour bush skills course isn't really enough. He should have done like a full year of doing something. I just love the fact that his family moved to a quote unquote bomb resistant house for the Millennium Bug. Where can you buy one of those in the UK? (laughs) Like, (laughs) there isn't such a thing, is there? If a bomb's dropped on your actual house, there's nothing resistant enough. No. Especially as the Millennium Bug is not going to cause bombs. Even 21 years later, the benefit of hindsight here, I don't think anyone actually thought 21 years ago, anyone, you know, sensible, actually thought 21 years ago, the Millennium Bug is going to fly into the sky and drop bombs on us. I think they thought that all of a sudden all the nuclear facilities, all their codes would just be free and everyone would just be sending things and so there would be a war because everyone's just sending nukes for no reason why would someone target south wales of all places (laughs) i know i mean it's london that's gonna go first and sydney and new york if a nuclear bomb went off in south wales it could cause literally millions of pounds worth of improvements (laughs) it would cause literally tens of pounds of damage Oh man, it's it is really interesting though, isn't it? I wonder. I wonder if he's still into all that now. I mean, it's absolutely fascinating, but it's kind of mind blowing that a he wanted to do this show, and b they found him to do this show. Yeah, because I don't think anyone in hunted history, and I know I'm 
massively repeating the sort of things that I've been saying all series. I don't think anyone in Hunted history has ever had a backstory like Adam. Which makes it all the more disappointing that 14 days on the run and he gets one episode. Yeah, he crashes and burns. In a future series, he would have had easily three episodes. Maybe four. Yeah, I, I think he could have been like one of the big characters of the series. He could have been made a hero, and yet by the end of this episode, he's basically made to be an idiot. Mm, which clearly isn't, because 14 Days is good. Yeah, I think 14 Days is above average, actually, in UK Hunted. Mm. So, Intern Simon says that Adam's photos change when he met his partner Dale, they've been together for five years, and Adam hasn't spent a day not talking to him since. He was literally the only gay in the village, which kind of dates this episode. <laughs> his plan is to go to Yorkshire with Lauren and then go it alone. And he is a serious prepper and describes himself as a gold member at Macro, which is his dad's fault. <laughs> so Julie Colds calls a survival course that Adam did to try and work out what he learned. It was only two and a half hours, and Sherlock says that it wasn't an intense one as a result. Adam says he has no skills, he's a mediocre prepper. He's doing the show to show his dad that he didn't fail raising him, that he should be proud of raising someone like him. And then we get this sequence where they almost throw away the fact that at some point when he was growing up, they, the family was homeless and had to camp, and his dad kept that away from them and you know, kind of protected from it. Which, in any other series, that's a massive backstory. And it's just like, oh, 30 seconds, oh, we're done with this now. Do you think it was immediately after moving into the bomb-resistant house and his dad having invested all of the money into a bomb-resistant house? <laughs> that they ended up homeless. Maybe it was a secret bunker, they just forgot where it was. Yeah, maybe. Because that is not mentioned in his bio in the slightest, can I point out. There is no mention of his family being briefly homeless. It's literally just, look at how strange his family is. And HQ get an ANPR hit of him coming off the M62 at Burstall Shopping Park, which is Junction 27. He's actually only 15 miles from where he turned off. And he hasn't been camping since he was 11. All the kids thought they were on holiday, but it went on a little bit longer than a holiday, and his dad protected them from the knowledge that they were homeless, and it was all the Millennium Bug's fault. How nice is that, though? Like, really nice. In any other series, they would have made that his entire story for an episode. Yeah. Is the fact that he's so appreciative of his dad for, for not revealing that they were homeless and for trying to give them as good a childhood as he could, despite the effects of the Millennium Bug. But instead, they crush him all into one episode, and it's like, yeah, we were homeless. Okay, bye. Yeah, it, I don't know. I can't quite get my head around it why you wouldn't spread his story over at least two or three episodes. It's like the whole the whole series. Well, I know, I know it's series one and they're kind of finding their feet, but it's really strange how they're kind of compressing one story and stretching another story. And it's, yeah, I'm finding it a little bit odd. Yeah, bear in mind something very important here. He lasted five days less than Dr. Ricky Allen did. Yeah, he's portrayed as he nearly made it and he really didn't. And yeah, Adam's like, you know, he made it halfway through. That's really good. And like, I think we still have at least one more pair to be introduced to this series who lasted a lot less time than Adam did. Mm -hmm. There's two more pairs to be introduced now. And at least one of those pairs lasted about five days, I seem to remember. He lasts almost as long as Dr. Ricky Allen does. And yet Dr. Ricky Allen, because he's super entertaining, gets three full episodes of 
messing the hunters around, and Adam gets compressed into one episode. Mm. Hey. Hey. The more recent seasons, they generally follow the timeline, don't they? So if someone went out in uh, like five days, they're usually out on episode one, and then if they lasted 20-something, they go the whole load of episodes. Like they do it more evenly now, don't they? Yeah, they stretch it out a bit. So usually what they do now is they introduce everyone in episode one. You get a little bit of a flavour. You might get a Ben and Rob situation where you get one scene of them camping next to a footpath and then we don't see them for three more episodes. They broadly follow the the timeline. Although with this series, most of the captures are sort of between about, about day 10 and day 19. So if they did it chronologically, they'd have to kind of spread those maybe over about three episodes. Yeah. But it's broadly chronological rather than, here's some new people, at least one of these people is going to get caught. Mm. It's done very differently, but, yeah, well, different show. Yeah. I think I do prefer it now because we get a bit more of a, a sense of who these people are before they start culling them. I don't mm-hmm. like the fact in this series, and I know this is the sort of thing we'll be discussing in two episodes' time, I don't necessarily like the fact that in this series you get introduced to people and then they immediately get cut and you can't really get as much of a vibe on them as as you would in a a more recent series. Mm. So HQ get the information on Lawrence Corser and Sherlock says that she's a person of interest now and they send David Blakely, another person who we see a lot of in this series and nothing of in any other series. David Blakely and his team are sent to chat to Lauren. She gets caught in a lie and starts crying she tells them she saw the sign for Leeds and dropped him off in an industrial estate or something. They plant a listening device in a pen, like it's a spy film, and she admits on the phone, as they hear on this pen, that she cried so they would believe her. Yeah, I love the little spy pen. It's like something you get out of one of those catalogues that you get in the Sunday papers. It's just like a really cheap and tacky thing they've managed to pick up somewhere. Oh, my God. And she said to them, oh, we've got a caravan. Oh, <laughs> it's one step above sort of a pair of sunglasses with a very unhidden camera on it that you have to <laughs> yes. squeeze an air ball to take a picture with. <laughs> yes. So Adam is in Salby Bridge. He's found someone to let him stay in their house, and he also seems to be smoking out of the window, something I did point out a few weeks ago. we never seen another series. We get some of Emily and Lauren smoking or using roll-up cigarettes at least we get adam smoking i don't think we ever see anyone smoke after this or after this series at least Stephen and martin have been on the run for four days and are cycling the back road to the uk they are using the canal network to stay away from cameras they are however still planning on using the caravan which is so wrong and martin says that they are survivalists and bear grills can suck his dick hmm. nice And that one quote has meant that Michelle cannot show this series to her children. (laughs) Yes. Julie says they are looking for emotional vulnerabilities. When they find them, they can exploit them. They also find out that Martin's girlfriend is not on board with them being on the run. No, she's not impressed. We get a few hints around that, don't we? What's wrong with her? Can't people do what they want to do? Like, seriously. I hate people like that. You think they can control others because they don't like what others do. I hate it. I don't think anyone had money on Martin's girlfriend being the thing that Michelle hates most in this episode. (laughs) (laughs) We're not there yet. (laughs) I think it is also very notable that she hasn't appeared in any of these episodes. 
Martin and Stephen have been in two episodes now, and I don't think we've seen Martin's girlfriend. No, but she's very not on board. <laughs> and they have cycled over 100 miles on the canals, and Martin is struggling with saddle comfort. And a bone of contention between Stephen and Martin is the idea of Martin Skyping his girlfriend. Stephen doesn't understand how it would work with a VPN and thinks that it's too risky. They compromise on Martin cloaking his presence online using a Twitter profile the hunters can't track that they have set up in his dog's name. He's got a point because we know from later series that they'll they'll bend reality if it means they can find some intel. <laughs> you know, just because it's technically not possible to do something doesn't mean the hunters won't manage to do it anyway. There is absolutely no way they would be allowed to do this in a new series. Not a chance in hell they would be immediately told by their cameraman or producer, or both, that they cannot do anything that would actually hide their identity like this. Because HQ cannot mimic how to find this if it was an actual fugitive on the run. So therefore, they can't do it. That is the golden rule of hunted, basically, is the fact that HQ have to be able to mimic it like they are hunting a real fugitive, and they wouldn't be able to track this messaging system to go through a VPN and to use a Twitter account named after Martin's dog to then <laughs> give them information to go on Skype and all that sort of stuff. They wouldn't be able to do it. So the cyber team launch a phishing with a PH attack on the girlfriends. Stephen's girlfriend falls for it and gives them her password for pretty much everything online. They clone her phone as a result of it. Nice, nice bit of cyber work there. I'm sure Doug was orchestrating that. I know he wasn't heavily featured in this, but I think he's the brains behind this operation. We just assume, unless we hear otherwise, that Doug is the brains behind everything. I mean, Doug is my choice for the new chief. Oh, how how good really? would that be? I don't think he'll get there. I would just love the idea of Doug, who notably does not particularly like being on camera. I think it is probably his least favourite bit of doing hunting, is the fact that he is on camera. I just love the idea of him having to be constantly on camera when he's around. I know I did suggest him for uh, for Chief last time as well, but I think we are officially on Team Doug, or at least I am. Oh, 100%. Doug is the chaotic option. <laughs> yeah. Even though by the time that this actually comes out, hopefully we'll know who the new Chief is. And I'm kind of betting that it'll probably be Julie. It should be Julie, really, but Doug would be a mm. great choice. It would be really brilliant. <laughs> Maybe they'll bring someone new in, actually. Yeah, that is possible. No! I don't want someone new! Maybe it's Brett. Maybe Brett makes a comeback. It's like his, his story arc. <laughs> the reason I say that is because we know a fair few of the HQ hunters have left after last series. Just because they've moved on to other things. Like, I don't think Danny's back, for example, because Sherlock isn't. Yeah. I think we will see some new hunters, definitely. I think there is a chance that if Julie refuses to be chief or whoever else they offer it to. I don't know who else they'd offer it to. It's probably going to be Julie in my head. If she says no, I think they'd probably bring someone new in. That would be a shame. We've spent five years getting to know these people. It would, but, you know, we're firmly, officially Team Doug, but really Team Julie. By the time this comes out, we'll probably know who it is, let's be honest. So they find out that she has been speaking to Stephen and that he's finding it tough on the run. Blex is confused as to how they are contacting each other. And that is almost the last thing we see of Stephen and Martin in this episode. <laughs> yes. There's like two more bits of them in this entire episode, I think. Yeah. And and I think, you know, if this wasn't series one, if we were watching this with, well, we are watching this with hindsight, 
you kind of know that they're doing a really good job because there's not a lot to talk about with them, is there really? No, especially as this is like day four and we're about to do a pretty big time jump for them. So Steph and Danny are driving Adam to the Yorkshire Dales, which will be the first time he has had to carry his entire kit. Oh my god. He's like a turtle. <laughs> it doesn't make him stand out in a small Yorkshire town at all. No. No. Then <laughs> he falls over and he can't get up. When he falls over, <laughs> it's just hilarious. Because this happens with my little kids all the time at school. Because they're, they're five and they've got so much stuff in their bags. Sometimes they just bend down to pick something up and they just fall on over and they can't get back up again. And I've got to help them back up. <laughs> it will be absolutely no surprise to you to know that Adam Post falling over is our banner this week. <laughs> of course. <laughs> because of course it is. <laughs> and it was the funniest image of the entire episode. But this bit is, is yet another example of him doing a really good job because the Steph and Danny thing is brilliant, isn't it? Because that is completely untraceable at that stage. Yeah. Short of him being stupid enough to say, can you get some money out for me? Use my card. Had he not done that, I don't think that they would have known about Steph and Danny and I don't think that they would have known about, about West Witten, being honest. Yeah, at, at this point, it's a brilliant move and like you know, like you said, later on he, he completely scuppers it, but this is the strategy. Random people help you out, get you to someone, someone else random. That's all you've got to do for, t- for 20, however many days it is, depending on which series you're in. Yeah. His rookie move here is getting them to get money out for him. And, and you know what? That's not uncommon. Is it? As soon as they get cocky and try and do something to outsmart the hunters, it always backfires. Just keep what you're doing, mate. Do what you're doing. It's, it's working fine. So his trail has gone cold. Doug changes his profile picture to a wanted poster and they target rural areas around Leeds to try and get some tip-offs. And he's dumped some of the bags and walked into West Witten and unaware of the media campaign, he decides to go in a pub and grab some food. They've put an article in the local papers and the landlady tells him about the reward for information. And then we get something I think is going to annoy Michelle. <laughs> well, yeah, I don't know. What are you up to? What are you doing? I've got something to say, but go on, tell me. (laughs) Because the next thing I have in my notes is, she rings the hunters and tells them he was in the Fox and Hounds in West Witten. He didn't leave her a tip, so she shops him out of spite. Yes. Ridiculous. No tip. Well, no, you know what? I'm not angry at her. He should have left a tip, obviously. (laughs) It depends if he got shit service or not. Well, it does, doesn't it? It's a burger in a pub. Yeah, I don't leave a tip for a pub. I, I wouldn't really leave don't. a tip for that. It's almost certainly he paid before he got the food. So how's he supposed to leave a tip? Don't do that. It just doesn't happen. It's it's mm. ridiculous. But she seriously, get a life. Yeah, exactly. I can't think of another time when someone has shopped a fugitive out of spite. No, it's, and it's just unnecessary. We've had people obviously do it for the money, but she didn't do it for the money. She did it because she didn't get money off him. It's essentially blackmail. So two hunter teams are sent in pursuit. She doesn't think that he's left the village. and She's correct. He instead hid in a tree for six and a half hours. Wow. <laughs> that is some commitment. <laughs> it is commitment. I really, really like Adam. I'm gutted that A, he didn't get further, and B, they didn't just show him more, because he's great. He's proper committed to this. 
it even forces the hunters to go into out of hours, and that very rarely happens. Yeah, I mean, that mm. must have cost Kevin O'Leary an absolute fortune. Exactly. All that overtime. My God, he's doing a great job. And I love Nick on the mic in the pubs. That's that's awesome. <laughs> um, when Adam was walking, I don't know if he was walking to the tree, his camera person warned him and said, your bottles are banging. We don't hear the camera people at all. And then we heard that and I'm like, hang on, why did they keep that in? That was really weird. Yeah, we do tend to get a little bit more of the camera people when they're a solo fugitive, don't we? Because they mm. sometimes do a little bit of, you know, how are you feeling type stuff. But yeah, it's a bit of an, an interesting one. Yeah, it's something that we see a lot more in this series than any other, I think. I quite like it. I, li- I like it when they get kind of inside their heads a little bit. Yeah, I mean, it. it's much better when we have a solo fugitive because you do then hear them actually having a conversation. Mm. rather than just talking to themselves like an absolute nutbag. <laughs> but I don't know whether I would necessarily be on board with it so much if they constantly did it. I think smattering it through mm. is the best way to do it. Yeah. Also, I don't understand how, given that we've seen a montage of clips at the start of every episode so far, I don't understand how they didn't have Adam hiding in a tree for any of them. <laughs> It is an obvious choice of him hiding in a tree like he's a tree wizard. <laughs> yeah, you would have had that as as the banner. No, I still would have had him collapsing because it was really funny. But <laughs> him in a tree should have been in that intro. I love the bit when he's trying to get the birds to be quiet. Like, what? Is, do you think that's going to tip off the hunters? <laughs> like, oh, he must be there there because the birds are chirping. Him just screaming at some birds to say, shut <laughs> up. Go to bed. <laughs> they were very loud. <laughs> were, but that's what birds do. It's the English countryside in summertime. I mean, it mm-hmm. filmed pretty much around the time that we're talking now. It was sort mm-hmm. of end of May, early June, I think, that this series filmed, if I remember off the top of my head. Like, he is in peak bird shouting season here. <laughs> So we then cut to Lauren doing karaoke in a car that she's hitchhiking in. Her best friend Emily is by the sea on a children's train. And she's getting increasingly anxious. And that's literally the only update we have from them. It's just reminding us they exist. And HQ then turn their attention back to Stephen and Martin. Flex asks for known locations. And they say it's the caravan or bust. Over 13 days they've been meandering towards the caravan in Wales. And HQ get a TripAdvisor recommendation email for Stephen. His advertising footprint is leading them towards Wales. And they then send Nathan yet again to the caravan, and there's no sign of them. But they don't give up. (laughs) They know they're going there, right? If they haven't been there already, they're going to go there. Once they have left, Stephen and Martin do arrive. There is a lot of booze. Stephen inquires at the office and finds out that the hunters have been there, and then they leave immediately, like sensible fugitives. Yeah, the one good thing they do in in this whole going to Wales thing is go, Ah, yeah, they did figure that out. Okay. In two weeks, I think they have probably travelled the least of any fugitives at this point in any series. Yeah, so they've gone from West Midlands to Wales. It's not that far, is it, really? Mm. No, they've they've done about 150 miles in two weeks. I mean, to be fair, they they haven't hitched any rides, really, have they? So, you know, they've, they've kept moving. But yeah, yeah, just goes to show you, doesn't it? I do think the rule change in Series 2 where you have to move at least five miles every two days or whatever it is probably came from 
these two. And um, Adam not moving out of that village for three days. Well, yeah, that as well. And Stephen says in Confessional that he's learned that the adventure is at home. He came into the show looking for adventure, but found it with Sadia and the kids. Also, he does like cheese. He's sick of eating it. <laughs> Do you know what? <laughs> I wrote down exactly that, that whole bit, and then put, also does not like cheese. <laughs> I don't understand how you can't like cheese. Keep eating cheese. Oh, my God. It's after two weeks of eating nothing but cheese, I think. No, I'd, I'd be fine. Totally fine. Their tent must have been absolutely hanging if they were eating nothing but cheese for two weeks. Oof. Did you talk about Emily jumping off the train? Yeah, the fact that we get one scene of both of them and then it's just, yep. What the hell? Now. Yeah. Why is she jumping off a train? Like, come on. She's completely paranoid at this stage. She's isn't she? gone she's... insane. It goes back to what we were saying last week, I think it was, that they haven't cast anyone like her, and I'm not sure she would pass the psych test now. No. no. As good a character as she is, and as fun a person as she is, I don't think she would be cast now, because she's a genuine liability at this point. Yeah, and she's not having a good time. So Adam is still hiding out in West Witten, his poor, poor camera woman. And he hasn't moved <laughs> in three days, and he tries to make a getaway by asking an old woman to borrow her phone. She has a phone but it's a landline. And he rings Danny and Steph again to pick him up and borrows Danny's phone to ring his uncle in Edinburgh. And he arranges a pickup at the Angel of the North and taunts the hunters by getting Danny and Steph to use his card in Leeds, which is a stupid move. Yes. Is that Angel of the North? Is that the big man sculpture thing? Mm, yeah, what? it's what Gates said. Very Huge. strange. Yeah, it's an absolutely massive statue, as the name suggests, of an angel in the north. Mm. How long has it been there? Oh, ages. It's at least 20 years. Yeah, I was okay. going to, yeah, ages as in our lifetimes, but in the terms yes, of sculpture, yeah. it's very modern. <laughs> yeah. In terms of landmarks that bisects a motorway, it's been there a while. Uh, 1998, it was, um, it was completed in. Okay. He's also, um, it's, it's an Anthony Gormley sculpture, isn't it? And he's also got, um, Figures on the beach um, in Formby, I think it is, um, not far from Liverpool, which is also really cool. But these are like normal human-sized uh, metal sculptures of people just dotted around the beach. It's really cool. Mm. I remember the, the news coverage of those figures on the beach because people were really creeped out with them originally. Mm. People did not like them. Yeah, the they're area. really cool. So Adam plans to lie low with his auntie and uncle in Edinburgh. Sherlock gets the CCTV of Danny using the card in Morley, but says that it's an obvious trick. And because Danny did park a little bit too close to the CCTV, they get his number plate and NPR from it. They get Danny's name, and intern Simon is a complete bitch, and says he looks like the sort of person who would help out a fugitive. <laughs> yeah, what's that mean? This is a very intern Simon heavy episode, I have to say. It is, isn't it? I know we love talking about intern Simon. Mainly because he wasn't in the last series, so this is the first time we've properly discussed him for two years. But this is almost entirely narrated from an HQ point by intern Simon. Yeah. He gets so much credit for pretty much everything this episode. He's doing well for an intern. He is. He might actually get that permanent position eventually. Maybe. Let's stretch it out for a few more series. <laughs> I do love how we've never actually heard from intern Simon, despite the fact that we repeatedly call him intern Simon. <laughs> and by we I mean me obviously 
Sherlock. Rings Danny and tries to tempt him with a reward, but Danny hangs up on him for his usage of the term ATM machine. (laughs) Which Sherlock does use, and is one of my least favourite phrases in the entire English language. Well, you're just lucky you didn't capture his pin number while he was at the ATM machine. Get out. (laughs) (laughs) You're bad. (laughs) It is genuinely something that really gets on my nerves whenever I hear it on TV and radio programmes. Pin number, ATM machine, anything like that. It's like, what do you think the M stands for? So intern Siren requests both retrospective and future monitoring on Danny's phone, revealing a number near Edinburgh, where Adam has a known family. They identify as Auntie Mary from the phone record, and Adam's basically screwed at this point. He's hiding out with his cousin Kylie, who's had an update from her mum about H.E. ringing them, and all we see of Adam is him stress-smoking out of the window. HQ then requests all CCTV on public transport around Edinburgh, including the coach station that Adam leaves from on a mission to get to the south. He's on a bus to Plymouth, and intern Simon fist bumps when he identifies the bus. I can't remember why I put it in my notes, even though I've watched it twice, but I've written in how did they get this CCTV, because why, why did they think to look there for him? Well, they were looking at all of the public transport, I think. That's, that's pretty wide-ranging, isn't it? In, in a capital city, they're looking at every way out of a city, really. Good, that's some seriously good intel. I don't know whether Kevin would have sent them an email when they requested the CCTV saying, he's been spotted at the Edinburgh coach station. Here's the CCTV for it. Mm, or whether maybe. they would have literally had to have someone monitoring everything. Yeah, and, and it's it's almost certainly just for time, but there's there's no lead that makes them think he's probably going to get out of Edinburgh on a bus. So it just seems a bit out of nowhere, but, you know, that's just the way sometimes it comes out in the edit, isn't it? And Nick and Danny obviously are sent to chase him down. They see the bus and overtake it on the motorway, planning to intercept Adam at its next stop. And it stops at Killington Lake Services, and Dot Steve Hersey, for once in this series, is wearing a surprisingly colourful shirt. <laughs> I know for a fact that HQ are told to wear the same thing for the entire recording period so they can just slot things in. But Dr. Steve Hersey is actually not wearing a white shirt. (laughs) And it is notable. (laughs) Adam decides to get off the bus because he feels like nobody's watching him. He is utterly wrong. Nick and Danny part with eyes on the bus, but then a lorry pulls up right in front of it because they picked a very stupid spot. I have to say, it was a brilliant TV moment, but it was a very stupid surveillance spot for them. And then, and they're like, of all the places to park, we park there. What in the coach, coach and lorry park? <laughs> that would say that's probably the most logical place a lorry would park next to a coach because it's a coach and lorry park. Given that there are probably <laughs> other spots you can park in with a view of the bus that won't get blocked by a lorry, this is a rookie move from Nick and Danny. And the coach leaves with all available hunter teams, including a motorbike, sent to its next stop in Birmingham. And HQ watch on as the clock behind them is blurred. Nick and Danny spot him as he's smoking, and Danny tells him his time in the run is up. And it's such an anticlimax that none of the HQ hunters even react, except Doug, who slightly nods his head at the news that Adam has been caught. <laughs> it is, I would say, the most nonchalant capture in hunted history. Do you think it's because Danny got the line wrong? And they're all like, oh, Danny, man. Can't even, one job, Danny. It's over, not up. <laughs> They're still workshopping it at this point because Sherlock hasn't said it properly until day 19 when they catch Dr. Ricky Allen. Oh, yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, this is a week before that. Yeah, okay. So they're still kind of working on it in HQ, I think, going, what should the catchphrase actually be? 
Do you think that's it? They're like, time on your run is up. Your time on the run is done. Your time on the run is... <laughs> it's not right. It's not right. We need we need something. <laughs> I think the Sings had a your time on the run is up, actually. <laughs> I think they got close with the Sings, but I don't think they actually said your time on the run is over until, um, until Ricky got caught. Which makes it even more iconic, right? Especially as we're basically led to believe in the episode that it was Sherlock of all people who created it. Mm. So HQ refocus their efforts on Stephen and Martin. No one is willing to help them, and they've hit a brick wall. Blex deploys Nathan, obviously, to put listening devices in the house, and I can only assume that for legal reasons, Nathan's helper has a blurred face. Mm. And CIA Cindy listens on the live feed. She finds out that the boys have set up in the woods and they're communicating online. Stephen and Martin have no idea themselves where they are, so HQ will have no idea. Chief Brett wants to deploy a local tracker team to find them and hunt them down. Dun, dun, dun. And, and you notice in that scene, they're eating more cheese. Yeah, of course they are. <laughs> what else are they eating? And that is where the episode ends. Yeah, with just a very brief next time. Next time, here's a pair that we've seen absolutely nothing of, with no introduction. <laughs> We have, next time, Blacks would like to catch some fugitives. A new fugitive communicates with the spirit world to find out whether he's safe. Spoilers now. Toddington knows where they are. They're surrounded. And Blacks tells him to find the bike, find the couple, find the fugitive. It's a good episode, this. It is. Obviously not as good as last week, because nothing's going to top a Ricky Allen episode. But this is a better episode than I remembered it being. Yeah. And, and I know we've banged on about it, but Adam is a way better character than he's represented it's a real shame. Yeah, they did Adam Day. Yeah. If this series hadn't had Ricky Allen, I would bet money that Adam would have been the hero of this story. Or at least they would have given him more of a hero at it. Because we know how things end up. There's clearly not much more of Martin and Stephen because we just see what we see of them. And then, you know, the Emily and Lauren thing is kind of doing what it's doing. But So I think that the, without Ricky, there was a lot more airtime for Adam. So I think he's unlucky. Yeah, it's ludicrous thinking about it that we are two episodes away from the end and we've still not met two of the pairs that are in this season. Crazy! And I don't think we meet one of those pairs until the final episode. I think you're right. I can't remember whether they get introduced next week or not, but there's one pair who definitely gets introduced next week and then there's one who gets introduced in the last episode, I think. Which is nuts. They obviously found a much better way to do it from series two onwards, but it's just kind of crazy to think about it that actually they didn't introduce a pair who could genuinely win this show until less than 60 minutes before we find out whether they win this show have you guys got a eulogy for adam or are we done just just he was a far more interesting character than he was portrayed and definitely because of that i'd almost forgotten about him uh which is which is a real shame i had absolutely no recollection of his existence (laughs) Well, exactly, and I think they could have padded him out a lot more. Yeah, I think of all the people in this series, he probably got done the most dirty. Because mm. I don't think we could have seen much more of the Sings, even though they lasted roughly the same amount of time as, as Adam did. I think they were both mm. 14 days. They definitely obviously didn't do Sandra and Elizabeth dirty, because, you know, they had about two minutes of <laughs> airtime, or two minutes of interesting things. So, yeah, I think of all the people, at least that we've met so far, definitely, he got done the most dirty by the edit here, of only having one episode to to be a part of something. Yeah, real shame. Never mind. So, 
Thank you for listening to another Hunted Recap. We'll be back this time next week for another episode. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube or Instagram where we are RTV Warriors or you can email us and contact at rtvwarriors.com. Anthony's on Twitter at Bullsboy, Michelle is on Twitter at Bear3333333 and I am MJ Harmstone. See you next week, but with that for now, your time in the run is over. Bye. Bye. Not as stereo as last week, I'm disappointed. No, it wasn't. Sorry. <laughs> Must try harder. <laughs>